Everyone was talking about the catcher market today, which really still hasn't been moving. We're going to talk about some catchers. We are going to talk about some of the news of the day. We are going to be focused in on what the word has been on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online when the game starts. I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I am Jeff Ellis, one of the co-hosts here of Locked on Guardians. Uh, and uh, in terms of special skills, I've been the healthiest of late. Uh, on top of spending some time as a national writer uh, when it came to prospects in the draft. Yes, uh, my skill is I've not been healthy as of late. I, uh, not that I want to tell anybody what to do, but let me, let me just tell you that I, I was scheduled to get a flu shot um, back in October, and my the place I scheduled that didn't take my insurance, and I never I never rescheduled it, so it was my own fault, my own doing. So, uh, don't be an idiot like me. That's my advice. Uh, I'm Justin Lila. My advice is I'm an idiot. Don't beat one. Uh, my advice is see how much money the Mets will pay you to be you. Uh, you know, we can take a look at just some fun, quick things. Brandon Nimmo, I said, was going to get 20 million plus a year. He got it. I don't think I thought he'd get an eight year contract, but I, I, I was not surprisingly shocked by what Nimmo got because this market for outfielders is rough stuff. Uh, after judge it's Nimmo after him. And, and also I, you know, I know people get mad at Keith Law, but I kind of agree with him on the the take of Boston signing an outfielder. The bat translations from Japan have not been good for power. Like power has not seemed to translate across leagues. Contact rates do. I'd be nervous about signing someone who's, you know, had some injury histories I, I, for a hundred million dollars. Like I'm, I'm just going to, but that's your number three outfielder is uh, someone who's unproven. You know, you're hoping he's going to be more uh, Godzilla than uh, Kaz Matsui. It's, you know, it, it's not always assured. You're hoping it's not, you know, Byung Hyun Park versus Joe Hong Kang. Uh, I can keep going. Like it, it's a risk and it's a hundred million dollar risk. So I saw some, someone being mad that the guardians didn't consider. I don't think the guardians need an outfielder. Uh, hot take city coming in. They don't need Brian Reynolds. I get almost as many Brian Reynolds questions as Sean Murphy questions. Here's and people are like you believe in Oscar Gonzalez. And if you listen to the show, no, I, I, I don't necessarily think Oscar Gonzalez is going to succeed next year the way he did this year. I don't think he's going to be a th- three win player, um, which is what his data from last year would have gotten him to. But guess what? If he fails, you got Brennan. Guess what? If he fails, you have Valera. Guess what? If he fa- it, you can just keep going. John Kenzie Noel has had some time in the outfield. It is not. They have two spots locked down and then the third one will be figured out. So can I just go ahead and say, if you're asking me about Brian Reynolds, the answer is no. And you don't want to pay the high cost. Well, everyone's going to say, oh, they should bench Miles Straw. And I don't know why I kept telling people. I know this isn't, this isn't fantasy baseball. You, know, yeah. you can't just bench 
like, yeah, Miles Straw's not making a ton of money. He's making, what, $5 million a year? That's yeah. not a lot. Which is a ton for this team, let's be honest, though. Yeah. <laughs> for a team with a $90 I, million dollar payroll. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a percentage. Um, is it so much that you can't make him a fourth outfielder? It's not, considering you could probably run out, you know, you could run out Will Brennan and have Oscar Gonzalez in right field. But that's exactly why you don't need Brian Reynolds, because you can – you could put Will Brennan in center and you can run Oscar Gonzalez in right field and you could do other things. Um, yeah. Also, I'm sorry. I know people want to bench Miles Straw, but it's, it's just not happening. They value the defense. The, the bat is going to bounce back a little bit better. It's not, it's not going to be an above average hitter. He's going to no. be near league average, close to it. He's not going to be as bad as he was last year. I will, it is December 8th, 2022. I will eat my words on. I hope we're still doing this podcast on December 8th, 2023. But if we are, we can bring this up. If he ends up not being close to league average next year offensively, then I'll use my words. Yeah. I mean, all the data shows a guy who is unlucky. And on top of that, like he is a, you know, he's a huge guy in that clubhouse. He is well loved. Uh, he is friends with everyone and he is an elite defender. He is Omar Vizquel of center fielders. Go back to the early years of Omar Vizquel and we're not going to get into any of the off the field stuff. I just mean in terms of hit to defense ratio, they are very similar. So yeah, Straw is going to be there to stay. I agree with you. Uh, Brian Reynolds, he's just not a need and the high cost it's for a guy who's cost. yeah. And a guy who's maybe showing decline. Like last year, there's some signs of decline. Like, you don't want this to be a Jason Bay situation, right? Where like, look what happened to Jason Bay when he left. Like, that's what I remember. I feel like Jason Bay had one good year after he was traded out to was it San Diego. Did they get Giles than Bay? Did they get both of the, uh, they the outfielders? Have, no. He wasn't good think, in Boston and he wasn't good in Seattle. So it had to be San Diego. Cause I know he went to Boston. He was pretty bad. Man. I remember how many years. No, was Jason, Jason Bay might've been the return for Brian Giles. Yeah, that was it. he, Oh, Brian Giles went to San Diego and Pitts. No, because Brian Giles. Was That's what it was. He came in the Brian Giles deal. That's where I get confused. And then he went to Boston as a three-team deal. Oh yeah, and he was bad there. He was bad. Yeah. In Everybody thought with the Green Monster. No, because uh, so when Pittsburgh traded Giles to San Diego, they got Jason Bay in return. Oh, from San Diego. And then he, I mean, he was about the same age. By the way, uh, he was. Uh, when he went from Pittsburgh to Boston, he was that year was his age 29 year. And, you know, he was decent that year. And that first year in Boston, age 30, uh, he was great. He was an all-star. He was a silver oh, slugger. Okay. And then, and then after that, uh, the next uh, from age 31, 32, 33, 34, not so much. <laughs> it was a fall apart. Um, not to say that they're even really that similar players. There is some ground, but yeah, I, I think people like the idea of Reynolds because he's been someone we've talked about forever, but this team needs a catcher. They don't need um, another outfielder. It's it's just a situation. And we're going to talk about those catchers in segment two, you know, the name of the day. I don't think it was Sean Murphy. I think it was Mike Zanino came up the most today for me. So we're going to talk about Zanino clear up some misconceptions because anyone who's like, he's Austin hedges. It's like, no, it's no. And <laughs> no, it's not even close. Like these are very different guys, very different. The average of Mike Zanino is the peak of Austin hedges. I'll just give you that tag before we go into our first break here on the show. And that break is listen, 
I have kids. You're not supposed to have a favorite amongst your kids. And I don't, though there are times where they try me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but when sponsors come, I'm not supposed to have a favorite. But I do. It's Bilt Bar. You've heard me talk about them. Uh, the last order I got from Bilt Bar was their maple uh, built uh, maple built bars that kind of taste like a maple donut. Uh, I've had my students occasionally will not have lunch. So I give them one of those. They love them. And, you know, right now you got to try some of their new specialty flavors. They have a cookie dough topper, a coconut brownie topper, and a coconut brownie bar. They also have a white chocolate peppermint granola. I like their granolas personally. I am a big fan. That is one of my all time favorite bars. And I like their peppermint. That peppermint that they do at uh, Christmas time is another bar that I've really enjoyed over the years. And they have a candy cane brownie puff. I might have to order that one if I'm being honest. Remember that when you go to BuiltBar.com, you want to use the promo code LOCKED15. I use that code every time. I've told my friends about that. I had friends who get Built Bar who didn't know that we had the best promo code on the market for it. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you save 15%. Start building up those Built Bucks if you're like me. So then you're saving 5 bucks plus another 15%. And it just keeps going. Built Bar has been my go-to for breakfast as a teacher uh, for the last three years go check it out for yourself today can't recommend it anymore built bar is magical and fantastic i've been waiting for them to come back on the show to buy some so now i'm gonna go and <laughs> buy some myself now they're back yeah the it's show. the the thing that is interesting about built bar when and hopefully they'll send us some free flavors soon that's you know they do send us that i'm always appreciative of it i'm always curious to hear what people like i always talk about the fact that i'm not a big fan of their berry ones like those are Sully's favorites and things like that, that it is just totally different tastes, uh, different strokes for different folks. Right. Speaking of different strokes, um, let's talk about these catchers. And I let off before. So if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to do one of my rants here. And I got a lot of people today talking about this idea that if you're going to get Zanino, you might as well get hedges. Because they're the same guy. Look at their batting average. And it's okay. If you want to tell me, don't go for Zanino because he had thoracic outlet surgery uh, or thoracic outlet syndrome. That's one thing. That is, I, I was trying to find data on this. And I did find actually, it was a limited study, but like a academic study, like a full on research study that found that most pitchers who went through and had this ordeal actually had the same length of careers um, and that it did not have a noticeable effect on careers and or outcomes. Uh, but there's not a lot of hitters who have had it at the same time while catching is a physically demanding position. I would think on that thoracic area, there'd be more stress for pitching than hitting. So I think it's less of a big deal. Uh, I also, all the reports were very positive. Everyone, you know, expected him to be fully ready to go. Uh, by now, like I think he is probably it would be able to do a showcase for a team to kind of prove he can step up. Mike Zanino uh, in his career has two seasons over four war, three seasons over three war, five seasons over two war. Uh, his career runs created plus that way to runs created plus. That we talk about war being, I think I mentioned that on yesterday's show, being a total accumulation of your value. Runs created plus and 100 is average. His is 88 for his career. And I know you're thinking that's that's 88. How good is that? The best Austin Hedges ever had was a 90. Austin Hedges second best season, a 69. His third best season, a 49. His career runs created plus is a 54. He is a pitcher. Like there's no other way around it. He is 
I love love what he did in terms of like stuff, but even his defense started to have some declining rates. He is bad. Oh, well, I'm going to do a bit of a run here while Justin's computer uh, figures itself out for half a second. My other point is Zanino in his last fully healthy year in 109 games, he had 33 home runs. Yes, he strikes out a lot, but you're getting a player who is an elite defender, had where pop times and um, framing times in the, at the 90th percentile. I mean, higher, much higher. By the way, in 2021, he had the best barrel rate of any player in baseball. When he is healthy, he kills the ball. The nice thing with him is if he is bad, it's probably a similar deal to the Josh Bell deal. It's a, you know, a two-year contract. And if he is utterly awesome, there is an outside chance uh, that uh, that you would qualifying offer him as well because catchers are valuable. So like if he like just destroyed the ball and if he's not, then he's a bridge guy who plays for the first half of the year and is that bridge to nailer. Like that's why he stands out. He is significantly higher ceiling than Austin hedges. Austin hedges ceiling is to be the worst hitter in baseball. That is his ceiling and his floor. Like that's just, he's the worst hitter in baseball. And again, I love the dude. I would have no problems with him coming back as a backup. I think he's a motivator. He's a teammate. He like keeps things light. There's so many positives with hedges, but he is honestly the worst hitter in baseball. And that is both ceiling and floor. Zanino, when he is on, he had a 134 runs created plus last year, a 134 or two years ago, I should say. I mean, that's, that's fun. That's better than Sean Murphy's last year to give you an idea of where the ceiling can land. Uh, he can be for this team. If he is healthy, a right-handed power bat, which is their number one need at their number one position while providing plus defense. He could also, um, be a net negative like it's it's a risk but it will be a relatively cheap risk what and go ahead your thoughts on zanino and then we should probably mention vasquez uh briefly well just looking at 2021 he had 33 homers in 375 plate appearances so he ran a whopping uh 30 percent home run to fly or fly ball to home run right that's crazy um if you're signing zanino i mean you're hoping he's obviously healthy but he's going to hit the bottom of the line regardless. You're not, you're not putting Mike Zanino in the cleanup spot or in the fifth spot. You're putting him eighth. He'll hit where Austin Hedges did. Um, but yeah, he hits the ball hard when he hits it. Hedges oftentimes did not hit the ball hard when he hit it. Um, that's the biggest difference. You're going to get a ton of strikeouts, but as Cleveland has shown, the one thing they'll put up with strikeouts wise is if you're giving them superior defense and Zanino in, in 2021, 94th percentile in framing um, and pop time, 89th percentile. Hedges is not in those areas anymore, unfortunately, defensively. Um, I wonder if, would you give Zanino kind of a, a pillow? You said you mentioned jo the Josh Bell contract. Would you also give Zanino a, a, a pillow contract, but would you do it where the second year is a vesting option? So if he, if he has enough plate appearances or he has enough hits enough of a certain stat, would you give him a second year based off of some sort of vesting option? Uh, yeah, I would totally do something like that. I would do, I would consider a vesting option. Um, they probably have more leverage. One. Yeah. They I mean, they have one. leverage. I think you could probably, it's Josh Bell. They didn't have the leverage for a, um, 
to do that with Zanino. I think you could. And, you know, you talked about the strikeout rate and it's fair. Zanino's isn't great. It's in the thirties, but let's also not forget hedges for, uh, most of his time in Cleveland was in the upper twenties. It's not like it's a massive change. You know, it's like, yeah, he strikes out more, but he also actually can hit the ball out of the infield. Uh, now in fairness to hedges, he always had good power. He just never got to act on it. Yeah. Yeah, Zanino gets to all of his power. When he makes contact, he gets to his power. That's the thing. Like, it's it is pretty much home run or strikeout. He he used to walk a little more this year, not so much. I wonder how he'll be after the surgery. Um, I mean, twenty twenty one was his best offensive year, right? Thirty three homers, a nine percent walk rate, thirty five percent strikeout rate was about the lowest of his career outside of his first season. So, yeah, he hit two sixteen, but he had an eight sixty OPS. You're telling me last year. You would not have taken an 860 OPS from the catcher spot. I don't care who the name is. Yeah, he's and, and that's that's the thing. Like he is he's gonna be this the ceiling on him is why you're investing. And that it's not something that's gonna hold you back, prevent you from uh from Bo Naylor if Bo Naylor is playing yeah. well. And like honestly, Zanino, because he missed so much last year, probably you're only looking for 80 to 90 games. And that's why I think you're right. It probably a vesting option works, but you're also then, you know, maybe trying to rest him if it works out. Um, I, again, my whole point is he's interesting. I can understand why it gets done. It was reported that he's going to sign soon. And the only two teams mentioned with him were Boston and Cleveland. And, you know, he's Boston's a mess. <laughs> Boston's a mess. Uh, you can see why Cleveland would be of interest. Uh, I want to point out one other thing. Uh, the other name people keep bringing up to me is Christian Vasquez. Christian Vasquez won't sign with Cleveland. I just go ahead and state that Christian Vasquez. I might, ha- maybe I'll eat my words on this. Maybe the market won't develop for him. He has stated, you know, through intermediaries that he wants a multi-year deal and he wants to be the starter. He's not willing to go back to Houston because he doesn't want to spend split time with Martin Maldonado. I think he's going to come to Cleveland where he sees Bo Naylor breathing down his neck. no, Vasquez isn't going to come here. So when you're yes. looking at next guy up, it's a uh, Narvez who has terrible pop times or Zanino who went healthy was elite pop, elite frame, elite power. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I think if they, if the whole Murphy thing, and we'll, we'll touch on Murphy again, obviously, but um, if they, if they, that doesn't come to fruition, I could see Hedges coming back as the backup and Zanino coming in, hopefully to start. I don't think there's a team out there that's going to give Hedges a starting job. So I think he'll come back as a, he'll come back here as a backup um, with Zanino and it's insurance for both of them, really for both of them. They're going to need to bring in two catchers regardless. I know people are going to say, well, they have Valora or neighbors Valora, but you're not bringing him in to, to compete for the backup job unless you absolutely have to. And um, I think, I don't think Hedges will balk at coming back as a backup um, by any means anyway. So, he was a backup in San Diego. He was a backup when he got to Cleveland. Um, he became a starter by lack of anything else. Um, That's true. When he got traded here, I mean, he got he had no choice when he got traded here. But, but he was the backup um, in San Diego at that time as well. He wasn't the starter anymore because well, of the offensive the, issues. This is the other thing too. Like I, people might want to bring up Roberto Perez. I have a feeling Roberto Perez is going to take a minor league deal and go to a team that where he sees he has a chance to play if he makes that spring training. I don't. There's no chance for like. The best chance for Roberto Perez in Cleveland to play would be as a backup, and I don't think he'll want to do that. So I don't think there's a reunion going to happen there unless he suddenly decides he wants to be a backup, but I don't think he does. Um, I don't think he's good. He's at that point in his career where he's going to realize that yet. But 
and they need to acquire two catchers somehow. And I'm with you. They're going to focus on pop time. They're going to focus on defense. They're going to look for upside offensively. I know they, they want to upgrade offensively at catcher and Zanino could it's hard be. not to let's be honest. Yeah, it's going to be hard not true. to upgrade at that position. And, um, and again, I love hedges. Like, you know, you can read about the Travis Sawchuk piece where it's like, how will they reprogram the pitch machine? And like, it is very clear, like how well loved he was and how integral he was at like helping the staff in many ways, but it's, he just doesn't have it. Like I said, if you sign him, you are getting the worst hitter in baseball and you can't have that as a starter. Yeah. I, and I, like I said, I don't think there's any team out there that's going to guarantee him every day at bats. I think he'll, no matter where he signs, he'll be a backup and that might as well be in Cleveland. Running yeah, back and I think he can be, he's fantastic. I think he's great for that role. Like it may be, you know, is it something like when they had him and Perez and he made like 3 million as a, a who's supposed to be the backup, maybe something in that, you know, maybe yeah, he gets a little had, bit more money. They had like 10 million committed to Perez and, and hedges that one year. And we kept saying, oh, they're going to trade one of them because they're not going to commit to that much at bat at catcher, but they did the whole year. And they had to, because Perez once again, got hurt and they, they had to hedge their bets on having someone healthy. And they did. Uh, also, I see what you did there. <laughs> I wasn't intentional. Um, before we move on to real quick on Vasquez, he already has offers from the twins and uh, some other teams, I guess, on the Red Sox have interest. Apparently um, he's going to get three years, maybe, maybe even four. Cleveland is not going to go three years with, with Christian Vasquez. They are, they're only going to go three years with someone like Murphy. They're not going to go three years with someone like Zanino. No. It's either Murphy or Zanino, or I don't know what they're going to do to tell you that, to, to be honest, like that's where I'm at. Nick Fortes. We still need really. Yeah, I mean, it has to, hey, be, it has you to could, be. You could take, you could take off the, uh, the rule five protections on Enright as part of that deal. Side note. If oh. you were to make a trade for Nick Fortes, you could, one of the parts of that trade could be that he is able to, you know, stay on the 40 man, but not have to stay on the 25 man, give them flexibility. Now, again, you know, if the Enright family is listening, I'm rooting for him to stay on the roster all year. I'll miss him as part of this team's future. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting the same thing for Kevin Kelly. Uh, I'm going to root for anyone who gets selected. I'm always going to root for anyone taking in the rule five to find success. But speaking of success, let's take a successful break here. Come back, talk about pop times, which, you know, I got to give you some praise for in the next segment. And uh, also talk about the Sean Murphy talk of the day uh, on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. But first, this fantastic word from a surely fantastic sponsor. Okay, so you you were the first person to really talk, right? That I saw anywhere talking about the importance of pop time. I don't think it is a coincidence. I know that like there's a good chance Maybreeze Valora is just a triple A catcher. That uh, I'm blanking on... Berglund maybe was the catcher like they got. He, yeah, he is a probably a double A catcher. But it is not. I think the fact that both those guys have big pop times help them. I think this is an important thing. And everyone's sitting out there talking about Danny Jansen. He had a bad pop time a year ago. I've talked about how much I like Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim has bad pop times. Uh, you know, a lot of players do not get out of that crouch quickly, and it's going to be. And especially with this Cleveland pitching staff, if you have a guy with a bad pop time, every single is going to turn to a triple next year. They're just going to run the bases ragged. Um, 
I think Cleveland is targeting pop time for a reason. And you were first to bring this up. I guess maybe I was, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like a, an obvious thing of importance with the new pickoff rule, right? Like here, when, when players know you only have two chances to throw over. And if you do it a third, you either have to throw them out or they get the next base. Um, it just seemed like an obvious thing to focus on among catchers and, and, Hedges last year was a 71% 71st percentile. So that's not terrible, but uh, he had a 1.94 last season. Compare that to Zanino in 2021, 1.93. So they're not the same. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not as big a deal as we think it is. Uh, Zanino's pop times somehow was in, I guess, well, that would have been by year. So let's see what Hedges was in 2021. I don't know. Hedges was 74th percentile and and. I guess there's a big difference between 1.94 and 1.93. Jeez, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, the highest guy is like every, a 1.89. It's like every yeah, every second every, matters. Yeah, and every tenth is you know kind of huge. So uh, I know it's kind of think, crazy to think that way, but if you get out of the tenth quicker, it's getting there a tenth faster, and that's sometimes the difference. Um, it, it does seem that you know this is going to be something important. It's going to be something to track, and I think they're targeting guys at pop time. So I think it does kind of eliminate. You know, Tom Murphy. Sorry, Quincy, if you're listening. I know he is your dude, but he's another guy with terrible or below average pop time. So it's like, I, I think that is something that that we need to discuss and look at. Speaking of, you know, fantastic pop times. Should we talk about the, uh, was it Derek Gold who reported that uh, the reason the Cardinals got out of the Sean Murphy sweepstakes was that Oakland's ask was Lars Newtbar, who if you listen to this very podcast, Last year, but when he wasn't really a big name, I was advocating trading for Lars Notebar. Just point that out, throw it out there, because of the many outfielders in St. Louis' system and him being a bit buried. And he was buried. Every only Cardinals outfielder. I've wanted every Cardinals outfielder for a while. Um, Nick Plummer was the miss. Newtbar and O'Neal. Uh, well, we'll see on O'Neal. But Newtbar, he only played in 108 games, and he had a 2.7 war, uh, 130 runs created plus. He was awesome. Left-handed, some power. Uh, Brendan Donovan won the utility gold glove. Some people talk about him winning the second base gold glove. No, I believe he was the utility gold glove winner. The first rookie gold glove winner in a long time. But he was also worth 2.7 war, but in about 130 games, closer to about an average starter's load. So that's 5.4 war there. That is more value than Murphy provided. And they wanted Gordon Gra- uh, Graficio, probably saying his name wrong, who prospect-wise is the equivalent of Tanner Bybee in terms of like top 100 ranks. He's a power arm in the upper minors. Numbers are nowhere good as Bybee in terms of um, performance last year, but is a very well-regarded arm. That is insanity, if that is true. Uh, If you are Oakland and you're asking, I mean, let's go back to like Clevenger. Clevenger was two years of team control on an ace-level pitcher at the time. Josh Naylor was a... uh, a stressed asset who had struggled, had yet to perform in the big leagues, given three years of opportunities. Cal Quantrell was in the middle of a second year of opportunities have been moved to the pen because of lack of success. Uh, Austin Hedges was their backup and an expensive backup who might've been more of a somewhat throw into balance salary. Uh, and then you had your prospects. You had Cantilla who was in a ball, but interesting. Arias who was in, who had only performed in a ball, but was very interesting. And um, Owen Miller, who had been up to double A, but was not even a top 10 prospect. And I bring all of this up to point out 
the big names were in the low minors and the guys in the upper minors were distressed assets asking for two guys who were well above league average players with five years of control each plus plus a high level pitching prospect in the upper minors um i i struggle to think like uh, you'd have to be trading someone like ronald acuna with his really team-friendly contract to get something like that anymore that is just crazy Derek Gould, and, and uh, this is not to disparage them. Uh, Derek Gould does a good job covering the Cardinals in the same way yeah. as Dispatch does. So um, I don't know if we necessarily know that that offer is true because, you know, they could leak whatever they want and say, well, this is why we pivoted to Wilson Contreras mm-hmm. because this is what they're asking. That could have been whatever they decided to say that, you know, would they lie? I don't know. Could they? Uh, I'm sure that's whatever the Cardinals told him. Uh, that's why he reported or whatever his source told him, but. No guarantee that was true, and I, I saw that last night. I took some, I took a bunch of Nyquil because I've been sick all week, and I woke up randomly and I saw that on my phone. That was, I saw that after the um, Xander Bogart signing, so I was a little wired after that because that was wild. Um, and I tweeted maybe influence of some Nyquil that that would be the equivalent of like Stephen Kwan, Andre Simenez, and Tanner Bybee. I might have been a little bit off on the, the two big leaguers. Maybe that was like Stephen Kwan and more like. I thought Kyle Freeman. Was... Yeah. Yeah. I might have been a little because, bit off there. Because Kwan is more valuable than, than Notebar, but Freeman is less valuable than Donovan. And then by B is your middle guy. Yeah. I so I was, little, if... I was, I was yeah. a little bit off there. And, and you never want to take those things too seriously. I, I tweeted that because I was like, look, this isn't the offer. And there's never a one-to-one correlation because go back and look at what the, the trade rumors were for Todd Frazier for Cleveland. It was supposedly Cody Allen, Danny Salazar, and Bradley Zimmer. And they wound up with Jose Peraza and Scott Shebler. And you know, that was terrible. So that those two things didn't add up, but maybe that was who they thought they liked the most from Cleveland. And that's who they liked the most in the Dodgers. And sometimes that, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, these teams see players, differently from certain teams. That's why they haven't matched up on a trade quite yet. But um, yeah, either way, that equivalent, it doesn't make sense for the Cardinals to make that trade. It wouldn't make sense for the Guardians to make that trade, which is why the Cardinals ultimately signed um, Wilson Contreras. But, you know, it does go along with them saying, you know, we're looking for talent that can impact the major league roster in 2023. Well, uh, you know, Oscar Gonzalez, who I don't know that Cleveland really wants to trade. Um, maybe we'll see. They supposedly have not wanted to include Valera, but and that my personal thought is I would include him, but that's not really the point here. Um, but Tyler Freeman, Gabriel Arias, who knows how Oakland feels about those guys, but those guys are going to be, should be on a major league roster in 2023. And, you know, there are guys that Cleveland can give them that can, make an impact on the 2023 roster for Oakland. But I, I just fail to see why they want guys that can play this year for them. Like I, you know, like a George Valera makes sense because he could make his debut this year and you've got six years of team control with him. Um, you would with Arias and Freeman, I guess, but it's like, why do you want so many guys that are going to help you now? Are you? I mean, they're not ready to get better now. Maybe, no. maybe they think they're closer than everybody else thinks they are. So maybe we're wrong on that, but I don't know. I just feel like they're not that close. So it makes no, it just feels like a way for them to say, we're trying to get the offer as high as we can. And if that includes 
a guy who already has some success at the big league level, that would be great. Like, it just feels like a way to up the ante, I guess. I mean, they just signed Jace Peterson uh, and Almaty Diaz, who are like backup types at best. You know, Peterson in particular is more of a quad A guy. Connor Capel is still considered a starter for them. And like, I really liked him coming up with the Guardians, but they got him off of waivers. Uh, Nick Allen struggled to hit his weight and he's, you know, doesn't weigh very much. Like, it's it's a a a pretty big bridge to cross to see this team being not last and like, their pitching staff too look at their rotation right now like Cole Irvin's 28 Paul Blackburn's 29 uh Ken Waldachuk's I mean 25 James Caprellian has never really been healthy but he's 28 no. JP Sears is 26 those are their projected five right now their rotation's not young there's not a lot of upside uh, their pitchers in their system, best ones are still a little bit further away. They got in the, the Matt Olson deal. So they need pitching and maybe the pitching they get can help them this year. That'd be fine. But it's like, I don't know if you're getting guys that can impact in the next, it sounds like they just want to be good by next year or two years from now. And I feel like, yeah, you could do that with Sean Murphy, but you know, you did lose one bidder in the deal. So the price has to come down. Right. It, it would just be yeah. so silly for Oakland to hang on to him. Like, the trade value goes down in the season because you have less people interested in him and B uh, teams are so leery at adding catchers at that deadline because it takes a lot to catch on. So I don't know. It just seems so silly for them to sit there and say, well, we could hang on to him. You could, it wouldn't be smart, but you could. I also want to point out for anyone and be like, Hey, wasn't Paul Blackburn an all-star his ER, his FIP, which is a fielding independent ERA. It's the best indicator of future success so far. I've heard of amongst pitchers. Uh, boils down to like if you have a typical defense you know give everyone the same defense what would their era be 366 in the first half i don't know if i've ever seen one this high second half of 793 so (laughs) nearly eight uh he was terrible after that all-star appearance so they don't even have like the one all-star was purely a case of a good first half they've got you know i'm a i'm a big ken waldachuk guy we'll see but the rest of it's fours and then it's 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 a lineup that I like Seth Brown. Lariano was not, he's gotten worse almost every year since his breakout. A lot of, and they're probably going to want to trade him know, if they can. Yeah. It, I don't see any pathway to success. I mean, they took Ryan Nuda, former university, university of Cincinnati Bearcat. Uh, I mean, I actually like that pick a lot for them. Um, I mean, he's playing for the Dodgers in triple so That's probably somewhere in like the California league, which is hit or he- hit or heaven. But, and he, he was, he, this is a guy for his walk 16% of the time with 25 home runs. Like, yeah, Nuda should be their DH. Like try guys like that, go out and do that. Um, see if they can find another Mark Kaneha. And, you know, Jace Peterson was worth two war a year ago, mostly defensively. Fine. We let him play every day, but this is not a team that, yeah, they're not a team that's, that, it's getting better. Like this is a team that is going to be about the same as a year ago, if not worse. Um, I would be shocked to see them hit 80 wins. Absolutely shocked. So yeah, I we'll see what happens uh, more and more though. I think I, here's the thing. I would love Sean Murphy. I'm not willing to sell my soul for Sean Murphy. So if that's the way it's going to be, and honestly, then let's say you go out and you sign Zanino and let's say it doesn't work out. Nothing says you can't trade for Murphy at the deadline. 
when prices will start to slick, slick, sink because of uh, contract and, you know, more time being off that. Or if he's not even having, you know, as strong of a year. He is 28. Last year might have been a career year for him. I'm not saying he's going to decline, but there's a chance it goes down a little bit. And then his value goes down a little bit for two different reasons. So I would still love Sean Murphy. I still think he's the best option. But if Oakland's going to play these games, and I feel like they've been playing games like crazy with all the releases, then give me Zanino. Give me Nick Fortes uh, from the Marlins. He is my my catcher crush. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm... I am not trading Bybee for anything right now. I, you know, flag in the ground. I am not trading Tanner Bybee. Hot take. You, hot take for anyone because yeah. he came here, he bit, bought into the system and saw massive improvement across the board, dominated at every level. And that is the guys you want to keep where your coaching is already paying off that quickly. Who knows what can be found more in, with him? So that is the big three go nowhere if I'm running this team, but I am not. And I don't want to get yelled at for another long show though. I'm sure I will. So let's, let's close it here. Uh, do you have any more thoughts or should we just do our adieus? I want to th- thank you all for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps. Remember to favorite like hit the bell and subscribe. We are up to 1050 subscribers. We have gained nearly 200 in the last month. Our monetization just went through today. That was very exciting to see. So thank you. Thank you all out there who have been a part of this channel's growth. We appreciate and love you all from right here. And we'll end it the way we always do. Go, go, Guardians, go.